Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in the Bay Area, it's time for Bay Area Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Bay Area Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, Leah Davis Coaching, inspiring women of color to claim their wealth legacy. Today on Bay Area Business Radio, we have Damali Robertson with Soul Centered Collaborative. Welcome, Damali. Thank you, Lee. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about Soul Centered Collaborative. How are you serving folks? So we serve folks through a range of experiences. We love to do workshops, coaching, and retreats, and it's all about racial restorative and healing justice. And so lots of good work to do through Soul Centered Collaborative. So how did you get into this line of work? You know, it was kind of organic. Um, Ultimately, I've been a nonprofit leader for a long time. And, you know, working in a nonprofit space, you see a lot of activists and people who love what they're doing really get burnt out. And um, also there's a lot of tension around equity, especially racial justice. And, you know, experiencing that inside the nonprofit world helped me see a real need to support nonprofit leaders, but also support the frontline staff in figuring out how to get to that place of balance and equilibrium. And so, you know, I thought, let me put this um, group together and invite some of my friends who are also amazing practitioners to collaborate and to create workshops and, you know, really great experiences um, that help people deep dive and explore, you know, how to actually do social good while also doing good for themselves. So now when you were starting your career, were you always drawn to nonprofit and coaching and serving? Yeah, you know, I'm very mission oriented. So I've always been um, a very kind of activist leaning person. I'm a poet, I'm a creative, and I've always felt like it's important to tell the truth shine a light on the things that are most important in our society. And so, you know, I have always felt called to uh, a space that is working to confront injustices. And I think it's just natural to go deeper um, as you kind of scratch the surface and see that there's so many things to to take care of uh, in our society, but we have to take care of ourselves while we're doing that. So now as part of uh, serving this group and helping folks uh, kind of heal and uh, how does the kind of the fundraising and the money making fit into this? Do you do coaching for organizations to help them perform better in this area? Do you work with individuals? Yeah, it's all of the above for me because I, you know, if you can imagine, um, you know, organizations are made up of individuals and within the organizations themselves, there are policies and structures that um, kind of, it's almost like the Venn diagram (laughs) where there's so much overlap um, in each of those areas. So I support the, you know, organizations uh, leadership in thinking through the policies and the structures that impact the individuals. And at the same time, I serve the individuals in becoming more fearless self-advocates in in being able to tap into more of what's happening with them as well as individuals, because it all kind of, you can imagine it all counts. It all kind of adds up 
to a more healthy organization when the individuals who are part of that organization at all levels are more healthy. Is there a certain type of organization that is more attracted to your message and your cause than others? Well, you know, I think I'm for everyone. I think that I would be in a great space to serve corporate, you know, corporate partners, but I have specialized in a nonprofit space just because, you know, that's been my world. You know, I've been, like I said, a career nonprofit person. And so it does feel like that's been a natural kind of partnership for me. But I do think that this is universal, you know, when you think about the workforce and what we're up against. And it's not just a nonprofit issue, this idea of burnout, this idea of racial equity, this idea of um, supporting your staff so that they can feel, you know, greater morale and and buy-in. You know, so I feel like it's definitely universal, though I do tend to focus on the nonprofit sector. So now what are some symptoms of the organization or the individual that would say, you know what, maybe I do need a racial equity coach? You know what? One of the things is that, you know, we have seen racial turmoil and a need for racial justice for decades, centuries even in this country. Um, And I think that the last year in particular um, was a reminder for us with all the uprisings and all the uh, tensions that it is still something that's very present. And, you know, if you talk to people who work every day, there's a sense of feeling invalidated. There can be microaggressions and outright bias in the workplace that people confront every day. And I do think that more people shy away from doing this work. Um, But with the last year as the background, more people are curious about how to get this work started. And so, I mean, I think every workplace in America would benefit from a, a committed budget and a kind of committed especially leadership being committed to this work. And so I don't think there has to be any particular catalyst, to be honest. I think where we are as a country uh, points to the great need to have racial justice work front and center and to get our teams and our organizations more acclimated to what justice and equity really look like. So in your mind's eye, what does that, what does justice and equity really look like? In my mind's eye, it looks like really, truly being able to bring your authentic self to work, like every single person in a workplace being able to show up as they are. Um, It also looks like to me uh, a commitment to seeing everyone thrive. And really, you know, the way that that sounds, it kind of sounds very aspirational. But if you think about, you know, what's possible through an equity mindset, it is possible to, to meet people where they are. So whether that is like a racial justice lens or it's an intersectional lens where we're actually factoring the many identities that we all bring to the workplace and the many kinds of um, issues and challenges that we uniquely face, there's a way to do it. It just has to be intentional and folks have to have to want to, which is part of the challenge and why I do this work. So can you share a story, uh, don't name names or the company or the organization, but where you work with them and maybe they had some issues and then you were able to do some of your workshops or some of your coaching and help them kind of uh, get to the next level? Yeah, sure. So I led a project um, 
in an educational setting, um, nonprofit that uh, works with students and, and young people. And there was an issue that came out of that where one of the uh, young people surfaced that one of the adults had said something that they felt was really offensive. And when I heard what the adults had said, you know, I was as coming in as coming in as a consultant. So I'm an outsider, but I immediately knew that I had to find a way to address the issue. So I had a, a conversation with that adult's manager about, you know, even though the incident and the, the talking point in question was well-meaning, because the person was trying to build a bridge between himself and the student, uh, the impact was harmful to the student. And so I raised that um, with leadership and we created actually a two-step kind of approach. One of talking to the adult in question, but also coming up with alternative ways that this adult could work to, to build this bridge that he had been trying to build. And it was interesting because we created a workshop experience. We did some one-on-one -on -one coaching and it, it really shifted the dynamic. And in the end, um, the person, because often the person doesn't understand what they did or what was wrong in the exchange. And so we, we were able to point out, well, this is where this went wrong. And he actually was able to say to me, oh, I could see where that would land with this student. It was a comment about slavery and the history of enslavement that was really, <laughs> yeah, he meant well, but it didn't land well. And so I, I feel like that is a great example of someone trying to relate, someone trying to have a kind of conversation that shows that I empathize, but in the wrong context and said to the wrong person, it can, it can just land really with a lot of harm. And so that's just one example. And it's, it's challenging because, you know, I want to give all the details, but I do feel like saying some of the details may kind of identify and I, I want to stay away from that. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah. But that, it is just, yeah. <laughs> no, that was perfect. I think that that really illustrates it. Is Do people tend to reach out to you for your coaching and workshops when an incident has occurred and they're trying to kind of triage it or do they, are they ever kind of proactive in trying to kind of get ahead of it and, and, um, and use you in that manner? Yeah, I think there's a lot of triage, right? And, and, and that's the interesting part that I, I find that could shift in this industry in, in total is like, we don't need to always be responsive and reactive. We could be proactive about doing this work. Um, so I do find that there is more of a reactivity. Um, and what I try to do is set up, you know, workshops and do things kind of on an ongoing basis that allows people to, to find their way, you know, into the conversation proactively. But I do find that a lot of it is, is very much, you know, in response to something that has happened. So can you talk a little bit about your workshops? What are some of the topics and what are um, some of the ones you're hosting maybe coming up? Yeah, so I've done a workshop in particular that I found that my, uh, my participants really enjoyed um, on dismantling white supremacy culture in the workplace was one of my recent workshops. And I know that sometimes those terms can seem a little scary, but ultimately... Uh, that workshop was really about 
recognizing what patriarchy and um and you know structural racism can do so it wasn't about people and individuals as much as it was about how we as people sit within that system and so um that workshop was well attended and well received and um it really came to you know folks seeing where they sit in that and what they can do as individuals uh to help bring more attention to the need for greater equity in the workplace and then i have an upcoming workshop that will be uh, a collaboration with a partner of mine nakia dillard and that workshop will be about it's almost a continuation of this first one where we'll be talking more about how to advocate for self um, in, in a toxic work environment. And so those are some of the things that I touch on in my workshops. Now, can you walk me through what it's like, like uh, say an organization is considering doing this. Maybe they don't know what to do or uh, who to contact. They, they hear about you and they want to learn more. What does that initial kind of conversation you're having with that organization look like so that you're kind of each um, getting to know each other and seeing if it's the right fit. Yeah. So definitely, you know, the process of, of deciding whether there's a fit is, is so important. So the first thing is always a consultation, you know, of trying to understand from that organization's perspective, what they think are the issues that are most pressing and important. Um, and learning, you know, of course, telling them a little bit more about me specifically, but really digging into what's happening for them. And then the second thing is, you know, in one of my biggest projects and most meaningful projects, I did a huge, I spent a huge amount of time on the front end talking to staff one-on-one, talking to stakeholders one-on-one, um, looking at survey data that had been done, but really drilling down on conversations with people. And that is really my approach. You know, if there, if an organization has data, you know, the quantitative data, it's important to look at that. But I do think it's equally as important to speak to people um, who, you know, are at all levels of the organization and stakeholders to understand big picture, what some of the pain points are, and like, what are some of the things that I could easily recommend? Um, and then from there, developing a plan of action. So that's kind of how I think about it um, and have have done this in the past. And that's really a key component, right? It's having something actionable, not something where the leaders can say, oh, we checked a box and we de- dealt with this. This is something that can actually live and breathe within the organization and affect, you know, the behavior moving forward. Exactly. And the thing is, is that a lot of organizations check boxes because, you know, that's what's expected. Okay, we did it. But really, cultural change requires something way more than box checking. It requires a commitment to shift. And that requires individuals being bought in, even when it's uncomfortable. Because this work is really uncomfortable because it requires people to look at their own stuff, (laughs) which is always challenging, you know, especially when you have things that are hard to confront. But that's what this is. It's this idea of really being willing to go and look hard at, you know, some of the things that are inconvenient, but once addressed can really help move us closer to 
equitable work environments. And that goes even uh, the, your name, Soul Centered, that you, this is what you're talking about. You were trying to create meaningful change of culture. Exactly. Right. And that is exactly why the name is the way it is, is that, you know, I've seen lots of organizational development. You know, I've seen a lot of work over the years um, that like just addresses the policies, but you can address the policies and you can address like, you know, you can do the org chart, move around and do the things that are typical. But if you're not getting to the essence of what's happening, we're not going to change it. And so the idea of soul-centered collaborative is that we get to the essence, which starts with people. It starts with hearts and minds and a willingness to examine yourself deeply. And so in turn, the organization and what's happening with the organization as well. Now, if there's an organization out there that wants to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on your team, is there a website? Yeah, so we're uh, easily found at uh, www.soulcentercollaborative.com. And also, I can be reached at Damali at soulcenteredcollaborative.com. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm on Instagram and Facebook too, but those are the places that would be easiest and, you know, tells you a little bit more about the organization and myself in those places. Well, Damali, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Thank you so much, Lee. It was a pleasure to talk to you and I look forward to hearing from tons of people. (laughs) All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Bay Area Business Radio. 